Welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. The Championship Vision Podcast is about coaches impacting coaches. We believe that coach mentoring is an essential part of coaches getting better at their craft in our profession. We bring in the best high school basketball coaches in the country to share their vision on what it takes to run a successful basketball program. So stay tuned for another edition of the Championship Vision Podcast with your host, Coach Kevin Furtado, the head girls basketball coach at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. To the Championship Vision Podcast this is Coach Kevin Furtado for episode 251 with Coach Mark Cassio. He's the assistant women's basketball coach at Appalachian State and also formerly a 16-year head high school coach, one of the best in the country, one of the best teachers, innovators of basketball in our country. Uh, Cassio arrives uh, at App State after enjoying a successful career as a high school basketball coach for 16 years in Louisiana with three teams. He has a career mark of 333 and 163 while posting 12 straight winning seasons. In a 16-year tenure, Cassio has advanced to five Louisiana High School Athletic Association State Final Fours, highlighted by a state championship in 2012, captured seven district titles and won seven Coach of the Year awards. In 16 years as a head coach, he's led his team to nine 20-win seasons and a pair of 30-win campaigns. In his most recent stop at Catholic High School, he led them to an impressive 174 and 77 record since 2013 while advancing to four Final Fours, capturing four district titles and four Coach of the Year awards. Cassio coached Christian Life Academy from 2010 to 13, where he was 75 and 20 with a state title and three consecutive seasons with 20-plus victories. In his first coaching gig, he led Catholic a point coup to its first playoff appearance in seven seasons and doubled its win total between 2007, 2008, and 2009, 2010. Cassio has conducted basketball clinics across the country while giving membership and consulting experience at the international NBA, NCAA, high school, AAU, and youth levels in part with courtside consulting. Cassio and his wife, Kristen, and the, are the parents of two daughters, Louise and Charlotte Kate. Coaches, let's welcome uh, one of the best in the business, Coach Mark Cassio. Coaches, hey, welcome. This is episode 251 of the Championship Vision Podcast. We're so excited to have Coach Mark Cassio. I did a little uh, brief summary of, you, of your career earlier, Mark, uh, but I always want my um, people that I interview to kind of share about uh, how they how they got into coaching and how they 
really been transformed due to the great communicator, the great teacher you are. So, hey, please share with us, Mark. We're really looking forward to kind of kind of digging into your past a little bit. Well, thanks. I appreciate the compliment, and uh, I appreciate uh, you having me on, man. Two hundred fifty-one episodes. That's a that's a big commitment. So we appreciate you in the basketball community. Yeah. For um, sure. A little bit about how I got here today. Um, I started coaching as a college student at LSU. Uh, started coaching at the youth level and really didn't have a major. Started coaching and, and just fell in love with, with coaching kids and building a relationship with them. And, and really, as a coach, I did probably more learning of the game than I did teaching of the game early. So the more I learned, I just continued to fall in love with it. So I went back to my alma mater. Uh, spent two years there as an assistant and then got a head coaching job. So I was kind of thrown into the fire at an early age. Um, I spent three years at Catholic High Point Capee coaching smaller school basketball, smaller class, uh, then went to Christian Life, had some success there. And then, you know, uh, back to my alma mater as the head coach, which was, uh, you know, secretly kind of the plan all along. I wanted to, to get back to Catholic High School and, and be the head basketball coach there. And Spent eight years there and, and just recently this offseason took a job at, at App State University in North Carolina uh, as an assistant coach on the women's basketball side uh, under Coach Angel Elderkin. And uh, the transition has been extremely positive. It's, it's been a great experience for me. And, and again, I'm, I'm doing just as much learning as I'm, I'm doing teaching, I think, right now. Why, why the transition, Mark, from high school to the college level. I'm sure you've been asked that before and so forth, but I'm really curious. Yeah, uh, it's a great question. It's, um, you know, I think when I got into coaching, I think as a young coach, you just, you want to go to the highest level possible because you think bigger is better. And I think the more you coach, you realize that's not always the case. And I've had opportunities at the college level before of uh, taking this job and they just either weren't right for me or weren't right for my family. So I was extremely happy at Catholic high school and could have been a high school basketball coach for the next 40 years and been really happy doing that. But, um, you know, I think sometimes you got to take a chance. Uh, you got to bet on yourself. And, and I made a commitment to myself that I was only going to do this if it was the right situation professionally and personally, especially for my family. Um, and this one checked all the boxes, the opportunity to work for a head coach like Angel uh, is one that I really want to take advantage of because because she's an awesome relationship builder, a great culture builder, um, and, and just does a great job as a CEO, as the program, um, X's and O's, uh, developing her staff, uh, extremely hard worker. So it's an opportunity for me to get better. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I want to get right into your mentors and um one of your mentors was Kemper Todd. Kind of tell me about your relationship and the influence that Kemper Todd had on your life. Yeah, um, he's who I went back and I spent two years as an assistant with, and we're still friends to this day. And, um, you know, I think the biggest one, the biggest impact he gave, he gave to me was he gave me an opportunity. Um, and really, after a few days of spring practice, this was back in the day when we had like two weeks where we could just practice in the spring full go he just kind of threw me a, a group at practice and and you know knew that I would figure it out and I think that made me better and he was an unbelievable practice coach and detail coach super efficient uh taught the game really well taught motion and man the man which 
I think for any coach is a great system to be brought up in because it is conceptual. It's a little bit more traditional or structured uh, than kind of what we're playing now nowadays, but um, an unbelievable teacher of the game and uh, so appreciative for him to give me the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we forget sometimes how many people, I'm sure you had more mentors, people that you've uh, that had a bit, big influence on you. Um, hey, let's kind of get right into kind of your philosophy and so forth, uh, Mark. Uh, um, Matt Smith and I were, we were talking about you yesterday saying just kind of, uh, I know your head was probably getting big. We were talking about you. We says he is so smooth though. It's like, he doesn't get, doesn't raise his voice. He's so smooth and so forth. And we go, I think he's going to be great at the women's level because I think be, be coaching girls for a long time. I think being a great teacher is number one. Um, I don't think, I think, you know, screamers are, I think everybody has different personality, but we really like how you communicate. You, you definitely are very clear. You have great clarity. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, I think I've grown a lot in that regard. Speaking of mentors, JP Nurbin has with Thrive yeah. Challenge has really helped me um, <laughs> with my, you know, just demeanor and patience and, and understanding that, you know, kids want to learn, they want to do right. They want to work hard. And when those things don't happen, it's, it's not because they wanted it to, to, to go wrong. It's just we're humans and we make mistakes. And I also think having kids will, will really get you to, to take a step back as well. And, <laughs> and I have two daughters. So uh, now coaching women's a great opportunity for them to be around a, a Division One women's basketball program. And uh, you mentioned being a teacher, which I do think is, is, you know, a huge part of it. We all say it's overcoached and undertaught. But at the women's level, I have found that they are, are really eager to learn. Uh, they ask a lot of great questions, uh, and I think, think our players have really high basketball IQ, so uh, we have some really great basketball conversations, and I think we all are better because of it, but um, but yeah, it's it's been really great. I, what I've loved about the high school or the college level compared to the high school level is you just get more time with the, with the players, uh, and I think instantly you could see the impact uh, on that time spent together just already have some pretty great relationships with our players uh, in just a few months. We're going to get into player development and uh, I'm a big believer in that. And uh, I, I told, I told, I, I coach, I last five years, I was at a small school mark. And then now I'm at a, I'm just starting at a new big five, a school, a little more pressure, you know, but uh, yeah. I wanted the challenge. I could have stayed at the small school. Uh, I love the small. And I, it's like, like hey, when you go through the hallways, you know, it's 1400 kids, you know, you don't know everybody. It's a little bit different, um, but I wanted the challenge. But today in the, in the in the workout, I was saying everything we do is going to be just like our simulate our offense. So like today we're working on uh, we use a, do, a lot of Dr. Dish stuff, driving kick, corner threes. All right. Um, just like, you know, we, we follow a lot of things that you do. Don't you agree that the conceptually you have to teach and drill like your offensive system? Yeah, for sure. I, I think that is uh, it's something that we're doing right now with App State. And I think uh, the, the, the best thing that we've done is we've kind of taken the offensive action out of what we're doing. And we've just really focused on the play after the play. Hmm. So it's, you know, the application of skill. We've got to be able to, you know, start, stop, pass, dribble, um, shoot before we can run offense. We've got to understand spacing before we can put any action in. Uh, and then I think 
oftentimes, and I know I made this mistake, is we spend so much time on what we're going to run and, uh, you know, whether it's a ball screen or, you know, screens off the ball, and we don't spend enough time on after the advantage is created. So big buzzword with, with Ross McMaines is, is dominoes. So dominoes, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's really all we focused on. I mean, we have, you know, rule of dominoes is the ball can't stop moving. So we've, we've focused on 0.5 or we're going to shoot it, drive it or move it on every catch. And, and that's a skill, you know, is to, to speed up um, your play. We talk about playing fast. It doesn't necessarily mean just transition. It just means that the ball is going to move and we're going to make quick decisions in the half court. So I think we've gotten a lot better at that. Uh, and then just understanding advantages. Uh, a, a big uh, aspect of dominoes, you got to understand when you're in dominoes. So when we've created that advantage, now the offensive stuff is over. We're in the play after the play. So we're just going to drive, kick, and swing it until we find a great shot. Uh, and honestly, that is all we've done uh, over this summer with App State. And uh, I, I think it's going to pay huge dividends uh, when we get started back up here next week. So unstructured. I, I really like that. I think it's – I do think the majority of the basketball game is, is unstructured, like the random play. Uh, so important. A term I like using, Mark, and, and I, again, I'm a language guy too, we call it low to go. And that is we want our girls, like today we're working on showing them the positioning we want, the footwork on your first step, which is hard for girls. Girls have slow first steps, majority of them. So we're, we're really working on that today. Is that, um, is that, tell me a little bit about the footwork of attacking, getting into that paint, how important that is. Yeah, I love it. Uh, you know, low to go. Uh, I love anything that rhymes and I love any alliteration. So I, I'm already sold. Um, but, you know, I tell you what what we have started to do, and I got this from the Utah Jazz. Uh, you know, the, the term uh, stampede started to come up, and I think he actually got it from some EuroLeague coaches. But uh, what we've really challenged our players to do is read the closeout before the catch. So when that ball's in the air, we're going to catch and shoot. Or if we decide that we're not going to shoot, we're going to start our drive before the ball even hits our hands. Um, that way, uh, we just gain a little bit of an upper hand. And like you said, if our first step isn't very quick, by being the actor and making the defense the reactor, we can kind of level that playing field a little bit. So we, we've focused a lot on starts and stops, but um, you know, a big quote-unquote start or an attack that we've worked on is the stampede. Um, where we're just okay. going to split step drive and, and keep that advantage with a paint touch. Yeah. I love, I love the split step term on that. Um, <clears throat> and why is that? Um, how would you break that down? And, and let me explain, cause I, I'm really, I want to steal ideas from you. What we do a lot is, is just everybody has a ball and we're working on just that first step that rip through ball low we call it, um, you know, we call it when you uh, a ball snap. So we're going to take a big low step, explode step, then ball snap it out. We got to really actually slow it down before we speed it up. You got to really show kids that, right? For sure. Yeah. And we always really anything skill development, we will start from the ground up. So it's always going to start with your feet. Uh, the way I teach the split step uh, is I just line them up on the sideline or baseline and I tell them that we're going to race. And immediately they either put their left foot forward or their right foot back or vice versa, because right. that's how we start a race. 
is that split step. So we usually don't race. I just use, I just tell them to freeze and I use that to illustrate the, the stance that we want. And I think that helps really teach them what a split step is. And then you connect that, like you said, to the offense. And when we're attacking a closeout, this is the fastest way to the rim because this is how we sprint. Um, so we always start from the ground up. So we'll get their feet right. Um, and then we want to cover a lot of ground, obviously, like you said, ball snapping. Um, we also teach the stab dribble, which is a little different. It's so you're going to put the ball on the floor first and you actually create that separation on the <laughs> second dribble, which is a little untraditional. But I think for a lot of players, it's really natural. And then for other players, it's really natural to do exactly what you're talking about is the low and go and, and ball snapping. So we really let our players do whatever's natural for them because everybody's different. I don't ever want to force a player to do something because I like it. Uh, it's got to be something that they're going to use in the game. Um, by the way, I've stolen a lot of your stuff, so please don't take that offense to that. So, I, I've stolen a lot of stuff as well. So no <laughs> um, The other day we did the two-man uh, first step drill. But roll the ball. Um, and we what I really found out was we need a lot of work in both um, in our first step, not only on, on the closeouts, but on the drives. Why is that drill? Tell, tell us, tell our audience, our coaches about that drill. We do it every day now. Yeah. So uh, basically, if you and I are partners or guarding each other, I'm going to roll the ball to you. Um, I'm the defender. You're the offensive player. When you receive the ball, We'll give you either one or two dribbles um, just to work on your first step. And like just like you said, it's two-way teaching. So now we're working on our defensive first step. Um, and it's, it's just a good way to, you know, when we tell players to play live, a lot of times we lose the emphasis of what we're looking for. Sometimes the emphasis is just compete, which is great. But when we're really trying to break down a, a micro skill of the attack, we don't you know, we want to put a constraint on there. So it's one dribble. We're not even at the basket. So really a winner or loser in that drill is just, do you create an advantage or not? Right. So when I roll that ball to you, if you create an advantage on that first step, we'll give you a point. Um, and really it's three-way teaching because now we're working offense, defense, and then we're also learning what an advantage is uh, and what a small advantage is and what neutral is. So uh, just a lot of benefits from a very simple drill that takes, you know, maybe you can do it a minute a day. Yeah, so it's those one-minute teaching drills, which I really love. I don't remember who I stole the one-minute drills from, but um, I think it might have been Don Meyer. I think it was, but those are great drills. Don't you think we should do more of that, more technique stuff throughout a practice, or not all practice, but I think those are vitally important to integrate those throughout practice, right, Mark? Yeah, Don Meyer is a great person to uh, to have stolen from. He he is uh, maybe the best ever. Um, but but yeah, those uh, and, and really he he did a really nice job of getting in and out of drills. Just seeing his practices, uh, and I, I do find myself gravitating towards those drills where um, you can touch on for a minute a day, even some of them thirty seconds, like the keep away or man in the middle drill. Um, I found. I find as I continue to coach and, and grow as a coach, I'll do those more often, but, but uh, for less periods of time, uh, the one-on-one stuff, like you mentioned, I think is really, really good where it's uh, I think Don Meyer would call that like soft rain, you know, just, we're going to put a little, we're going to water the plants every single day, just a little bit. Right. 
Love that. Instead of waiting for them to die and then, you know, pouring a fire hose on them. What's your philosophy on your teaching? Uh, do you believe in the one? I like to have one concept per practice or per workout. I have found over the years, Mark, uh, I'm not as I'm not that smart, but I've learned that when you, uh, we can over coach over teach um, like today was about showing numbers. So and we had a, we had a group in the post talking about showing numbers, show numbers okay, uh, in your seal. And then on the uh, shooting in, you know, when that girl drives, you're showing her your numbers. OK, show hands. We're not showing hands, we're showing numbers. Uh, I just really believe in that. Just one concept. Yeah, I love that connecting it to to both sides of the ball, and um, we always we always identify objectives or desired outcomes, you know, before a workout or a practice, and uh, sometimes that's really difficult. So um, we try to keep it to three max, mm -hmm. and I've honestly found that the practices that I plan, when I have some time left over, or I just feel like, man, this practice is going to go by really fast. Those are always our best practices. I, tell you the mistakes I make is when I'm trying to squeeze in a drill here or there or, uh, because you really lose the the objective in there you know more is is not better in a practice just get, doing what you're supposed to do and hitting the teaching points and staying consistent uh, to where as a coach you're not you're not stretching yourself too thin right we're keeping the main thing the main thing so the fact that you can get it down to one thing that's that's pretty impressive because <laughs> Sometimes I struggle to get it to three. Right, right. And um, well, less is better, right, Mark? Particularly at the high school level. Um, so, hey, g give us an example of what you guys are doing right now. Do you, are you allowed, uh, is there a certain number of players you can, or a certain number of hours? Kind of teach us about the college level. Yeah, so we get eight hours a week with the team and, and we've really use that more than than coach angel has in the past because um you know every year is different and this year we have two new members on the staff um actually uh, john kenny who played at lsu and is from baton rouge kind of crazy that we both ended up at app state but um <laughs> so we're new coming in and we added eight new uh newcomers to the roster so four transfers and, and four freshmen so we honestly just needed the time together um on the court uh, to get a little head start, but also off the court, we had to get to know each other and make sure that the culture that we have at App State stays in place. Um, so we're allowed the eight hours. Um, we broke it down into smaller groups early in the week. So early in the week, we would have a group of four or five. Uh, and then that was Monday, Tuesday. On Thursday, we would do an eight-man group where now the, the technique stuff that we were doing Monday, Tuesday, we were getting a lot of shots, but really breaking down the technique of our skills. We added the game context on Thursday. So eight man workout, a uh, lot of small sided games, a uh, lot, of, lot of live play. And we, we wanted to see what skills transferred from Monday, Tuesday to Thursday. And then on Friday, we had a team practice where we had all 15 uh, just a normal practice like you would in season. And then we got to see what transferred, you know, from Monday, Tuesday and Thursday into Friday. Uh, and that format was pretty good for us. I felt like, um, you know, right at the end of the summer, we started peaking, which is good because then we shut it down and and they'll come back hungry after having a couple weeks off. And, uh, and then we'll kind of rinse and repeat until we get into official practice. 
Yeah, um, I would love to have you share with us. You are, can you share the screen at all? Do you have you have anything you can share with us, uh, Mark? Because uh, the, the, what what I love about you, I think you're a great teacher of the game, and I love how you take drill. I don't even call your you're not even drills. You're just teaching the game, and I love your concept. So please share with us maybe something that you guys are doing or um, something similar. Sure. Yeah. Let me see. Um... I think I have share screen on. Should have. Let's see. Might need to cut it on for me. Okay. I do. All right. I have it. At... Okay. I should have it on yours. Is, is it on yours at all? No, it's saying okay. disabled. Okay. All right. All right. So let's, we'll go ahead. And I actually, I, I, I thought I had it on and I apologize. I, um, I don't know if you can send that to me and so forth. Uh, I can sure. share it on my screen. Um, but um, hey, let's go ahead. Hey, let, let's kind of continue on here. Um, and I'm going to go ahead real quick and just pause it real quick, Mark. All right, here we are. We're back with uh, Coach Mark Cassio and so forth. And we're talking about skill development and player development. Um, like today, um, and always, I'm always referring to what we're doing, Mark. So you got to help me out. I'm a little selfish. I want you to help me out. Um, <laughs> we talk a lot about protection plans. Um, and it's hard because girls have a hard time jump stopping and pivoting and protecting and then making a pass. I love the term. Talk about the advantages of being good at the protection plan. Yeah. So um, I, I, I think you're exactly you're right on. I think all basketball players can improve patience in the paint. Um, protection plans are really a, a plan B and one way you can you know, have a plan B on a drive is being able to stop and stop balanced. So this could be a, what I call a quick stop, which is really just a jump stop mm -hmm. or a stride stop. And if we can stop balanced in the paint, we buy ourselves time. Uh, if I, if I stop unbalanced, I have a split second to make a decision with the ball uh, if I can stop balance, now I can pivot, uh, which is a screen for myself. It increases vision of the floor uh, and I can make a correct decision. So what we've really focused on is, is being able to stop and have patience. Uh, so our decision making can improve. Uh, so, so we try to incorporate that into a lot of different things that we do. Um, a lot of our finishing stuff is off two feet. A rule of thumb that we have is when bodies are in front, we play off two feet. So we'll do a lot of small sided games or some one on one where we have a defender coming in front and we've got to have our vision up so we can see that. Um, and that gives us the opportunity to stop uh, play off a pivot or shot fake. And then when you add other players, it gives you the opportunity to, to kick it out. Uh, so we'll do a lot of that stuff. We'll build one on one, two on two. At Dr. Dish Basketball, we're creating basketball shooting machines that accelerate player performance. With features like on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one source for basketball training. Whether you're training in your driveway, running a practice, or developing a workout program, we have the most innovative training solutions to help your players practice like they play. 
And just for listening to this podcast, you qualify for an exclusive discount. Just mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633. Again, that number is 952-873-2633. And remember, be better every day. Dr. Dish Basketball's Virtual Camp 2.0 is now live. Our camp features drills and workouts from pro players, coaches, and trainers like Byron Scott, Quincy Pondexter, and four-time WNBA champ Lindsey Whalen. And though we're known for our shooting machines, the camp also features ball handling, agility, and conditioning drills to help athletes of all ages round out their game. A shooting machine is not required for this camp, but if you own or have access to a Dr. Dish CT or Dr. Dish Home, you can follow along with our pre-built program and track your progress and your stats. Sign up today to gain access to the Virtual Camp 2.0 featured drills and workouts by visiting drdishbasketball.com slash virtualcamp2021. That's drdishbasketball.com slash virtual-camp-2021. Some other protection plans are the Nash, Barkley, Donut, uh, which all are, you know, we get through the elbow and we're neutral. So what do we do? Uh, we don't want to panic. We don't want to throw up a bad shot. We don't want to leave our feet to make a pass or to find a pass. So those those Nash, Barclays, and Donuts really help slow the game down for us. Yeah, I love that. Um, I, I just love the terminology. I don't, I don't think enough coaches take ownership of their words, to be honest with you. And that's, it's hard to teach. It takes a lot of effort to say one single word or term, doesn't it, Mark? Uh, so when you're when you're coaching coaches and you're consulting is that what you're focusing on is how to teach the game and how to really use your language better? Yeah, a lot of it is that. It's funny you mentioned that because um, it's not just all teaching, you know, the way we play or it's not all, uh, you know, offense. It's, it's really running your entire program. A lot of that has to do with practice and improving transfer, which is the point of practice. And uh, was actually talking to a coach the other day and, and he asked a really great question. He, he said, I'm doing you know, X, Y, Z drills uh, to work on this concept and we're getting better. Is there anything that I'm missing? And my answer was probably not. I think you should just keep pounding the stone, keep doing what you're doing, but make sure your terminology is connecting everything. Uh, You know, your language has to be very consistent between you and the players. Uh, Your assistants have to all use the same language. Uh, that you use on the court. You got to use the same in film sessions. You got to use the same in games. That way it just becomes ingrained in your DNA. Uh, And I think uh, to make things really simple, like you said, it's really difficult to use one word. When you can make things simple, it means you really understand it. Uh, So when you can simplify, when you really understand it, you're going to teach it better and your players will have a deeper understanding of, of what you're trying to teach them and be able to connect it in the game. Absolutely on that. I want you to give me some key terms. Uh, We do everything off the hop, Mark, and we do everything off two feet. Now it's hard to teach two feet because I got girls in other training doing a lot of one footed floaters. No, not in my practice. I just don't, for some reason, it's overrated with floaters and things like that. Um, Do you have kids that have coming in with some bad, I, I call them bad habits. I like strong power finishes shoot by the shoot by the ear everything off of two feet am i just old-fashioned no you know i think uh i think the one foot finish is probably what we all learn first um Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people are 
they see that the most early on. Um, and the reality is that we don't get those one foot finishes a whole lot in, in games. You know, those are your, your wide open layups with, if we're getting a lot of those, you're, you're probably going to win anyway. Uh, so what we want to do is spend m most of our time training two foot finishes. Uh, the goal is to go off one foot. Cause that means you're getting wide open layups, but um, knowing that it's, it's not going to happen a lot. We are, we are big on two feet. Uh, like I said, whether that's a quick stop and just talking about your terminology, uh, we say quick stop, which means, you know, we can't, we wouldn't call it a hop. We wouldn't call it a jump stop. Uh, we wouldn't call it anything but a quick stop. Uh, and then we'll do a lot of stride stop finishes, which will be your small advantage finishes with a defender on the side, which is off two feet. Uh, but definitely not old fashioned. In fact, I think more coaches are trending and seeing the value in two foot finishes probably more than ever. And I think that just is determined by the lens that you look through the game. You know, if, if we have a player launching off one foot with a player in front, we get a charge. We can be just upset at that player. We could tell them they should have passed the ball or we could be teaching them, you know, the perceptual cues of, when you have bodies in front, we're automatically playing off two. So we've got to solve the right problem instead of just, you know, yelling the, the quote unquote solution at them uh, when, when the bullets are flying. Yeah, I love that. Um, and I, you mentioned advantage. I want you to talk about uh, big advantage, small advantage and neutral. I want you to kind of not only teach me, but kind of really kind of get a little detail about that. I think that's really important in the game. Yeah, and it's something uh, Coach McCormick does a great job of explaining, and hopefully I can do it as well as him. Uh, you know, really, if you look at offense, everything we do is predicated on gaining an advantage. That's it. That's the goal is uh, we want to gain an advantage and end that advantage with a, with a shot. Um, so basically when you arrive, let's say there's a dead ball, and we're just chest to chest, offense, defense, neither one of us has an advantage. We call that neutral. Uh, so the goal of offense would be to run action to create an advantage. And that could be, um, you know, in transition, we could have a numerical advantage. We could have um, an advantage where we might be five on five, but defense isn't set. Uh, when we're creating an advantage in the half court, a lot of times it's a closeout or we've brought two defenders to the ball, uh, which means that we've gotten defense in the coverage. So once we get them in the coverage, if we can make the right decision, uh, we, we create a big advantage. So we're going to use our small advantage, uh, which sometimes we can score small advantage, but the ideal scenario is that we use that to create an even bigger advantage. Uh, so when we pass out, we're now in, in quote unquote dominoes where we're playing advantage basketball. We have defense in rotation. Really at that point, our job is to not screw it up. We just want to end with a shot that we like. Uh, and I've, We've always found when we get more big advantage shots than our opponent, typically it works out in our favor. Yeah, and it just um, – and you're not talking about, like, plays. You're talking about making plays, right? Um, and that's – to me, that's what I've learned from you is that the more it, – it's unstructured, but really it's very structured. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of it, – it, um, it's kind of connected there a little bit. Um so talk about here is talk about the idea of teams that use a lot of set play. We, we like set plays, but talk about your philosophy on offense of ours, structure, unstructured. 
Yeah. So I think this, the structured part is more the traditional basketball that we were probably all brought up in. And I think the game has really changed. Um, and I think the unstructured play can really give you an advantage because it's difficult to scout, difficult mm-hmm. to prepare for. Uh, and there is structure in that, you know, conceptual offense or quote unquote unstructured. The structure is really going to come from your spacing and alignment. Uh, as the coach, you're going to determine that whether you're four out, five out, uh, hopefully not three out, uh, just for a spacing standpoint. And then what spots that you're going to fill in your offense. And then the next part is that you're going to teach them actions that you like. Uh, you know, we're going to run some ball screen, some Zoom stuff. Uh, at App State. So we're going to teach them, you know, cues to get into that stuff. We're going to teach them how to execute that stuff well. Uh, But when the game starts, it's really they have those options at their disposal. And that's where the creativity, that's where the conceptual starts to come in, is that it's going to all be stuff that we practice. We just don't know what's coming next. And if we don't know as coaches what's coming next, neither does the defense. Uh, So we run that action until we create an advantage. And then, like we said, that's where the unscripted moments come. And if you can win those unscripted moments, I think that means you're doing your job at practice. Uh, I know early on in my coaching career, we were not good at the unscripted moments. And that was a direct result of how we practiced. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, neither way is wrong or right. I do think the game is just trending more towards the unstructured. Yeah, and I think it's it's better to teach that. I mean, it's me, it's more fun to teach when it's unstructured. Like you're observing, you're observing. I'm an observer coach. I observe and then I look at things and then I stop. And we might even drill that and then go back to the game. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but um, talk to me about ball screens because like t- right now we're focusing on how to use screens because I have basically almost all guards. Um but we're pretty in, um, you know, uh, ball screen offense. And what we do is we number our reads. So zero would be pick and roll. One would be slip. Two would be refusal. So I like the number that. And our kids really, it's a simple way to teach it, the reads. Uh, what's your philosophy on that? Yeah, I like it. Um, I've heard a coach say that with ball screens, you need to play in thirds. A third of the time, use it. A third of the time, slip it. A third of the time, refuse it. So uh, it seems like you're you're doing a great job of mixing up those reads. Um, with ball screen stuff, again, just keeping your terminology really tight, simple, be able to connect it to your players. We just talk about one thing. The goal of the ball screen is simply to get the on-ball defender to go over. Uh, because that's the easiest way to create an advantage because we're going to bring two to the ball. Uh, So when we talk about like a screening angle, um, in fact, I had a question in in my consulting group come up yesterday of what screening angle that we teach. And uh, we, we like the back pocket or the wallet, you know, angle screen where it's almost a flat ball screen, but you're really encouraging that over. I think when you, when you have your chest to the sideline, you're inviting the under, which you can counter the under, you know, so what we, we just like in skill development, like bodies in front playoff two, we'll do the same with ball screen reads. Um, this is where you're looking. When you see this, this is your read, or this is the decision you should make. So in ball screen, I think the order of operations would be, let's read the on ball defender. Let's read the, the screeners defender, which is usually the hedge. 
And then we've got to read that second level, which most of the time is a tag. Uh, and then sometimes if we're going, you know, spread ball screen drive into the middle, it's going to be the nail defender. But when you, when you give them the goal of defense has to go over and then what to look for, who to read first, that's two levels of it. And I think the next level is understanding if the big is up in coverage, if it's a hard hedge um, or like a leveled hedge system, a blitz, then the, the tag defender is going to have to be engaged. So we can almost play for the shake action where we can snap it against the grain. But if the big is back, if we're seeing drop coverage, the mm -hmm. tag defender is not going to be as engaged. So um, I think when you can, we can break it down and teach that and, and teach them what to look for. Uh, I, I think your execution um, goes up, you know, I, I love, I, I'm loving this because I'm actually putting together some ball screen stuff for our staff uh, next week. So, um, you know, one thing is like, we talk about seeing chest equals change direction. So, and that's where like, if you nice. watch the NBA finals, Chris Paul was unbelievable at snaking a ball screen right. because defense just stayed in drop coverage. So he would get on ball defender to go over big has his chest in front so he's snaking to the other side of the floor and if you want to watch really good ball screen play i mean steve nash obviously is great but chris paul uh, i haven't seen too many people better off a ball screen than him yeah he's one of the best on that i was really pulling for him yeah, I, <laughs> us old school guys really pulling for him i i really enjoyed watching the suns play i think devin booker is a heck of a player uh, I think Monty Williams did a great job and is a great dude, but sure. I just, I love the way they played. Um, and they, I think they really simplified. You can see how simple the game can be. Obviously they have elite players, but the Phoenix Suns offense is as simple as set a ball screen for, for Chris Paul or Devin Booker. And they are so good at playing the advantage off of it. That's that, that's all they needed. Um, it's a great reminder that, you know, if you just, if you pick the actions that you really want to utilize and you get really good at those, you don't need a whole lot of other stuff. Now I'll tell you what we're, I mean, we're at the beginning stages of teaching it. Uh, I believe you have to sprint. We call it sprint to the outside shoulder. That's, that's how we teach it. And because I think if you're sprinting, it gets that, that defender running fast too. And she's got to make quick decisions at our level. Yeah. Right. Um, is that uh, we go, we, we call it hip to hip. So we sprint outside shoulder, hip to hip, unless you're refusing and so forth. Uh, what about the screener? Talk about well, how do you teach the screening action? Yeah, I like it. So um, arriving alone as the screener, like you're talking about sprinting into that screen. So you can create some separation between the screen and the hedge is a great way to create an advantage because you're taking that secondary defender and putting them at a disadvantage where, you can get a little bit more depth, probably get an early window pocket um, to the role. Uh, but I, I, you know, for the screener, like we talked about the, the goal of, of making the on ball defender get over the screen. Uh, I love your, your teaching point of arriving alone. Uh, and as the screener, once we get that player, the defensive player to commit over the screen, our job is done. So a nice, I said, I love rhyming. A nice one is reroute and get out, meaning okay. that we're going to reroute the on-ball defender over the screen. And once we do that, we can get out, whether that is a pop, a short roll, rim roll, or, or what we call sprint action, where you sprint to the corner. 
Uh, but once you do that, you your job is done because you've brought second secondary defender to the ball. Advantage has been created. So now we want to space the floor immediately. Yeah, I love that. I'm definitely going to steal that reroute and get out. I appreciate that. Um, we, we, we teach screen assist. I feel like screening, I, I screen the zone too as well. Um, I think screening is so unselfish. I, I don't know why more teams don't screen or, or do screen, but uh, we love screening. Why is the game now becoming five out, drive and kick? Now my players are good, but against the really good teams, we can't dribble penetrate against the really good teams. We got to use some screening action. Um, am, I, am I looking at it wrong? No, I think a good offense is a multiple offense. Um, and you're right. I mean, you, you need to utilize screens to create advantage. I've never had teams that can just play one-on-one off the bounce consistently and be the best team on our schedule. So that's why we utilize pace is we want to arrive with a little advantage. That way we don't have to see a neutral defense where we do have to screen. We would rather just arrive four on three, three on two and, and, or even five on five versus an unset defense. And um, you mentioned five out kind of space, drive and kick. Uh, I think spacing and ball movement gets it done against any defense. So if we can move the ball with some rhythm and ball speed, we're well spaced, we're going to put some pressure on the defense. Um, but if we can't, if it's if we're neutral, neither team has an advantage, I think absolutely use screening game to create that advantage. Um, and then once you get in the dominoes, you did your job. Now it's, now it's space and play and have fun. Yeah. Tell, tell, I mean, and we're almost finished and I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy guy. You got to be recruiting. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know when your recruiting period is over yet, but, um, Hey, you might have to start recruiting some, uh, Walnut Grove girls. Uh, maybe I got to be quiet on that, but, um, <laughs> no, absolutely bring them on. <laughs> um, Talk about talk about uh, your five out. Talk, give a basic concepts. I I've listened to you and Chris all. I can listen to that podcast for like you know all day because I love how you guys teach the game. Uh, talk about somebody want to put in a five out or four out. Kind of give them some whys on why they would teach either one. Yeah, great question. It's one I get a lot. Um, so I think four out or five out depends on your personnel. You know, at the college level, I think you've got to make a decision of of how many positions you're going to recruit. And if you're going to re recruit post players, then you're probably going to be four out. Um, I I like a positionless style, whether it's one through five positionless or even one through four is positionless and you play with a post. So I think that should be determined by your personnel. I would look at your top eight players, look at the next three years and determine what's going to best suit your program, but also keep in mind is uh, if, if you have a player and, and they might be a quote unquote post player, if you only ask them to play in the post, that's what you're going to get next year in two years and three years down the line. So, you know, the best time to start developing those tweeners into a perimeter player was yesterday. So um, we develop players uh, as basketball players we don't do a lot of post and perimeter stuff because you never know about development you know a, a post this year could be a, a forward next year and or be a positionless player next year um, 
but whether you're four out or five out, just understand what you're going to get out of it. You know, four out, you're going to have more spacing on the perimeter, but less at the rim. Five outs, the inverse, you're going to have more space at the rim, but less on the perimeter. Uh, either way, we're going to uh, implement a, uh, an alignment that's going to give us the opportunity to, to turn single gaps into double and triple gaps. If we can get somebody driving into a big gap with speed, we're going to put some pressure not only on the on-ball defender, but the secondary defenders too. So uh, like we said, at the end of the day, we, we want to create an advantage. So usually it's off the bounce into a big gap. Um, but whether you're four out or five out, I think you have the opportunities to create big gaps. Um, just your alignment, your spacing is going to be a little bit different once you puncture the three-point line. And I, I want to kind of ask you something. Uh, we're a, I do a lot of what we call three out, where I'll put two in the short corner. They can become ball screeners sometimes. Sometimes I just love the short corner for girls. We just teach the rip and go, whatever. I think it's a better driving space, Mark, I, I mean, at the girls' level. That three out, two in the deep short corner, almost on the baseline. I love that, and I find that to be a big advantage. Yeah, so what I, what I like about that is that you're stretching the defense vertically by being on the baseline. You're pulling that back line and opening up some space on the perimeter. Um, and then when really when you go ball screen with one of those players, you're really four out at that point, right? Because yeah, you're bringing yeah. somebody to the perimeter. And that's what a lot of NBA offense is. It's, it's quote-unquote five out, but they're playing with a post player. And what it just means is that the post player is – is in the action. They're in the ball screen. They're in the get game uh, where they're, they kind of become the quarterback. And I think that's where your, your, your NBA teams are most dangerous is when they can play through their point guard or play through their post. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think anything that you do that stretches the defense along the horizontal vertical plane and um, I think is really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and before you go, I, you got to talk about your zero second. Uh, decision-making and so forth. I love that term. You and Chris Oliver uh, can talk all day on that. Uh, it's sure. all about decision-making. Kind of get into that a little bit on why, how important that is uh, for players. Yeah, you know, that's really the glue that holds your offense together because it's going to eliminate ball stick. I think when you stick the ball, you get caught in triple threat where you're playing off the jab. Right. Uh, and I've I've just never been accustomed to that style it's just never been a style that I've wanted to play um, so by zero second decision making or playing 0.5 uh, you're going to ensure that you're going to move the ball uh, with good rhythm in the half court uh, and basically what that means is you're going to shoot it drive it or move it the second that you touch the ball so it, it should take you zero seconds to determine what you're going to do uh, Utah Jazz are great at reading close out before the catch um, and especially after a domino has fallen, that's going to give us the opportunity to, to keep the dominoes falling. So what we teach our players is every single time you catch the ball, you're catching with the intent to shoot. And then we adjust from there. Uh, sometimes yeah. we can make that adjustment when we see a hard closeout. We make that adjustment really, really early. Other times we look for shot. If we can't shoot, we drive. If neither one of those apply, we're, we're passers because we got to shoot it, drive it, or move it. And I think the last part of that is if you can't shoot it, you can't drive it, and defense is in denial and you can't pass it, 
we got to move that ball. And oftentimes that means we got to take that thing into the paint. We're probably not going to get a blow by in that situation, but if we can get a paint touch, we might draw a second defender to the ball and uh, we can kind of, you know, rinse and repeat and try to try to get another advantage. I love that. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> I, I, I love your language, man. That's why I tell you that. Uh, your next book is going to be all about language. I tell you, I love that. Um, hey, hey, before you go, I want you to be a consultant. And that okay. is you're going in. I'm, now, I've been coaching 30 years, so but I, I'm always looking for I'm going into a new program. Um, it's all about creating that identity and vision. Right, Mark, when you go in, that's what I believe. Tell us about that when you consult with these coaches. Yeah, so one, you know, I heard somebody say this a while ago, and I do think it's good when taking over a new program. Um, I think some visual change is always good. But I also think that giving players some ownership and, um, you know, we all want the same thing. Everybody's goal is to win the district or conference or the state title or, uh, you know, a national championship, whatever it is. Um, and ask them how they want to do that. You know, what does a championship team look like and have them define those behaviors? Uh, I think they're going to buy into it far more than a new coach coming in and saying, hey, this is how we're going to do things. It's more of, hey, we all want the same thing. How do you guys want to get there? Mm -hmm. uh, so then your job as the coach is just to hold them accountable to what they said they wanted to do from the jump. So I think that's been good. Uh, and then I think clearly defined style of play. Can't stress it enough. Um, we're going to you know, understand that the game is transition defense, offense, defense, and transition offense. It's one of those four things. Um, what do we want to accomplish in every phase and how are we going to do that? And we're going to, we're going to ignore everything else. Um, so uh, I think playing a style that they enjoy really helps that the fans can get a part of the community can get on board with. Um, but knowing that there's going to be issues, I think first years are hard for everybody and they're harder than you probably anticipate. Uh, but that means that you're getting better. I would I would maybe go in with the mindset that we're going to embrace challenges as opportunities and and we're going to get better and navigate it together. Absolutely. And I appreciate that advice. Uh, App State, if somebody didn't know not know anything about it, talk about really quick before you go your program and what they what they're going to see from the App State women's program this year. Sell us a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one, you're going to see great culture and great teammates because that that has already been, um, you know, a staple of, of Coach Angel's programs. Uh, I felt that the second that I walked in the door is that we've got a really special culture in our program and that helps the X's and O's. So um, we want to get up and down. Uh, we want to play with pace. Uh, we want to move the ball in the half court. And on defense, we want to take away everything that we value on offense. So we value threes, layups, and free throws offensively. So defensively, we're going to take those away. Um, you know, like offensive pillars that we talk about is sprint, space, share, where that's a way that we can measure, um, you know, the way the game's being played is are we sprinting? Are we spacing the floor and are we sharing the ball? So love that. Um, yeah, that's something that, you know, again, alliteration we love. And, um, you know, great hopefully message. you see a, 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 an unselfish basketball team that takes great shots and competes every night. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to watching you guys. Um, 
Hey, I really appreciate you joining us, Mark. I know you're busy right now. Um, I'm actually running a clinic September 12th uh, for all the Georgia high school, all the top Georgia high school coaches out here. Uh, I'm going to be sharing your stuff, man. I, I just want to tell you that I think you're one of the, uh, the best, one of the best master teachers of the game. And I really appreciate you taking the time out to give back to high school coaches like me. Um, how can we get a hold of you? Because I know your website's one of the best. I know what you and Chris Oliver do. Everybody should have that in their toolbox. Talk about where, how people can reach out to you. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate the compliments and uh, I just, I, I enjoy talking the game and I think the more I talk it, the better I get. So this, this makes me better. And if I can help make anybody better, that's, that's even uh, that's best case scenario. Um, and the way this all started was coaches reaching out. So feel free to reach out. Um, my email is markcasio at gmail.com, C-A-S-C-I-O. And then my Twitter handle is at Coach Cassio. Uh, feel free to reach out. Um, I, when people reach out, I usually give them my cell phone number and tell them to call or text me just because I love love sharing the game. And, and like I said, it makes me better. So um, I appreciate you and everything that you do for coaches, the clinics, the podcast. Um, I, I, I've learned a lot uh, about your program, and I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I really appreciate it. I wish you the best and uh, go App State, man. I'm looking forward to watching you guys, man. Thanks. Good, <laughs> thanks luck coach. Good luck with your new gig as well. All right. Thanks, Mark. Coaches, I'd like to welcome our new Championship Vision podcast sponsor, Huddle Assist. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And assists is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stance like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happens. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to learn more. Huddle will also be at the Legends at the Grove Clinic on September 12th at Walnut Grove High School in Loganville, Georgia. Come stop by our table to chat and see what we have to offer. Coaches, we are so excited to have Dr. Dish Shooting Machines, Dr. Dish Basketball, as our major gold sponsor of the Championship Vision Podcast and the Ledges Clinic at The Grove coming up September 12, 2021. Dr. Dish Basketball is accelerating player performance with the most innovative game-like training solution available allowing coaches and players to get better faster than ever before. By providing the most usable and advanced shooting machines, on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics, Dr. Dish Basketball has become the preferred source for basketball training with progressive coaches and players. Listeners of the podcast are eligible for exclusive discounts. Mention Championship Vision Podcast to your sales rep when you call in. For more information, visit drdishbasketball.com or call 952-873-2633.
And remember, the Championship Vision Podcast and Dr. Dish Basketball is supporting the Legends at the Grove Clinic, September 24th, 2021 at Walnut Grove High School. Sign up now.